0: Hello all you Covey Clubbers and Reinventors out there. This is Leslie Jane Seymour and I'm the founder of this podcast and we are here to teach you all the different aspects of finding the thing that you really want to do and that will enhance your second part of life. That is what this podcast is about and that is what Covey Club is all about. So I hope you'll check out CoveyClub.com as well, where we have real reinvention info and we have tricks and we have tips and we have downloads and we have interviews and Q&As on everything that will help you, whether it's a small, tiny little reinvention or a big one. You don't have to reinvent big with us. It can be small. And our overall pitch to you is don't do it alone. It's too hard. So I want to welcome today along that line Claire Campos O'Neill, and she is she's she does many different things right now, but she's a realtor um, at the Texas Ally Real Estate Group LLC, and she is in Austin, Texas, and she had also run for her local uh, her local representative um, in Texas, and I think it's a wonderful story about how you can get involved and how she found her way into politics. She didn't win, but that's no big deal. She learned a tremendous amount about her her local area, about who her friends were, and it led to other things that she was able to say yes to that were really part of her reinvention. So in the light of Women need to get out there at all levels and get involved and make sure this country is run in a fair way and in a way that takes care of everybody. I hope that you will spend the next half hour in this conversation with Claire and me. So welcome, Claire. I was so glad to meet you a few weeks ago.
1: Yes. Thank you for having me. I'm glad we connected and I get to learn about where you are with your with your amazing organization. And um, it's nice to see that community modeled. We've got it. I feel it. like I might be going that way one day Yeah, too, yeah, so. yeah. Well,
0: good. We got it. We figured it out. I won't say it was easy, um, but we definitely figured it out, which is good. So let's talk about you because you have done some really interesting reinventions. I love all the different things you've done. Let's talk a little bit. I always like to go back to people's history and find out where they grew up and, you know, kind of what they started to do in school and then we talk from there. So, where did you grow up and and what did you start out doing in life?
1: Yeah. So I grew up, um, kind of all over the place. My dad was a pilot in the U S air force. So, um, to, to take it back, just another little step, him and my mother met in Del Rio, Texas. She had grown up there her whole life. My dad came to Del Rio, Texas. Cause that's a training base for new pilots. Ah. They met, got married. Yeah. And then his first assignment was in Michigan. So my poor mom who had like oh never God. left Texas. <laughs> yeah. Ends up in this very different culture climate everything then I'm born then my sister's born they're there for a few years and then we moved to Georgia oh, so wow. I started um some of my elementary school there in Georgia uh, a few years later we moved to Texas and so we moved to Del Rio Texas which was nice because we were again closer to my mom's side of the family uh then moved to San Antonio Texas which isn't too far it's about three hours from Del Rio by the way Del Rio is a border town so it's a de- it it Border towns are their own beast. Okay. <laughs> if you have never lived in one. They're, no. they're interesting areas. Okay. Because, um, you know, Mexico is like five minutes away. And you, well, back in the day, you could go back and forth, no big deal. You even need a passport or anything. Wow. Um, and then we moved back to Del Rio. And then uh, I ended up going to, we moved lastly to O'Fallon, Illinois. It's really close to St. Louis. And I was there my senior year of high school, went to Wheaton College, which is in the Chicago suburbs, um, studied communications, theater, film. And um, unfortunately, didn't really get a a start in that career. Um, I was like, I don't know what communication majors do. I guess I'll do administrative work. So Uh I had a a very easy job at a graphic design company. But after being in Chicago a couple years, it started to feel lonely. um, Because with my experience, a lot of my friend group uh, they were from that area. So it's it a little hard to break in and feel like I, like I finally made it. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to go, I'm going to go back to Texas because that's where my family is. And wow. that's, that feels like home. So I moved to Austin about 10 years ago was like, I do not want to do an administrative work? It's just not all that challenging. So I got my real estate license quickly had to learn Austin, um, one of the things my broker told me that stuck with me is that realtors are ambassadors of their city. And oh. it's true because you have to know, of course, with the market, but people want to know what are the schools like, right. how, how's the local government? Is it, do they function well? Are they good stewards of our money? Um, and then like the industries that are coming, what's the growth look like? So I really liked that part of real estate, understanding demographic trends and where the economy was going and Mm. the neighborhoods that were up and coming. So I think that's part of what also is peaking or scratching my political itch. Um, because a lot of that happens at the local level. And so what did you end up doing? How did you make
0: the transition into running for office and talk about which office you ran for and what that was like?
1: Yeah, I had been really involved in the school district out here, Del Valley ISD. Um, about four years ago, my husband and I bought a home in this area, and I had been volunteering out here previously, but once we were actually living in the district, I just continued to help. There was a uh, elementary school that opened, so I helped the librarian get the library up and running, and then I got to know the administrators, and they were like, you should serve on this board, and you should help us with this project, and I was like, yeah, this is great. I I love supporting public education because I know that y'all do so much more than teach kids, you know, one, two, threes, and ABCs. In this district, it, it's, uh, it, it tends to be a little bit more low income, so they're making sure these kids have their meals and that they have you know coats and clean clothes and it's just i'm in awe at, at all the extra they they do beyond just educating so that made me um just interested in public education and public education policy and then i think the thing that made me believe i could actually run for office was when the news in the area i live in it's um it's a lot of housing developments a new housing development but we don't have like a hospital on this part of Austin and Southeast Austin. We don't have a grocery store. We have, yeah, very few um, restaurants. We have to drive West for everything. Like the big dividing line is uh, I-35 and it's kind of historically designed this way. Like a lot of uh, black and brown people got pushed to the East side of 35. And so we still don't have resources, which is horrible. But anyway all that to say in my neighborhood there was this commercial land that we were all excited about because we're like finally we're going to get the thing we need and a neighbor happened to find out that an idea charter school had bought land there in the commercial space and we were all just scratching our heads like wait a minute a brand new elementary school just opened in our neighborhood there's another one down the road there's another one the other direction like why would we get a charter school of all things so then I started finding out about charter schools and how they're very different from local ISDs. They don't have the same oversight and transparency. So we pushed back and we said, we we really would not, we don't want this school because we want something else. We want something that's a better fit for our neighborhood. But it's it was hard to do that. Somehow we, we figured it out. I found a woman through like uh, just internets, Googling charter schools, like help Texas. Huh. And I found this woman who knew everything about charters. She educated me on how they're very different from local ISDs. I had her come to my home and I had my neighbors come to my home and she educated us on, on, um, how we would potentially fight back. If that's what we wanted to do. And then we wrote letters to the education commissioner saying, please don't approve this school. We love our schools that are already here. We need something else got my state rep involved. And in the end, they denied this. um, Well, they were trying to get a charter expansion amendment. They denied it. And I remember Patty, the woman who helped me with this journey, the charter expert saying, this is a long shot. You're, you're, what you're doing is probably not going to happen, but you should try nonetheless. And the fact that we did it and it worked, I was like, ah, if I can do this, what else can (laughs) I do? (laughs) Okay. Oh, great.
0: But that's great. (laughs) We had to fight a big box, big box um, that wanted to come into my old town of Larchmont and we Mm -hmm. had to fight it. There was a, you know, an area that they were going to come into when it totally inappropriate in a quiet suburb. We did not want, it was going to be near the highway and it was going to drag all the traffic off the highway and all the pollution and tie up our streets and we fought it and we won.
1: Mm-hmm, people mm-hmm. don't know
0: that you can actually fight these things and exactly organized, you
1: know? Yeah. I have a friend, he's a chief of staff for a state representative. And he said, if you can get 10 people to call the state representative on some issue, they will perk up and they will take notice. You just need that momentum and right. it, it'll put them on their toes. And it's yeah. like, ah, oh, this is how we do things. This is right. how we get our, our, uh, yeah, our will across.
0: So what did you do? What made, What did you run for and, and how did you get up and going on it? And how did you learn how to run? You told me you took some courses. Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: So um, I don't know if it was I'm trying to remember if I can pinpoint what led me this direction. But I was just wanting to understand local politics more. And I met a woman who works for this organization called Annie's List, and their whole mission is to get pro-choice women elected into office in Texas at all different levels, like state rep, state senate, state board of education, school board, down the list. So I start going to their training sessions, they have ones for like how to you know, what it means to be a candidate, what it means to be a campaign manager and just, yeah, just like learning it all being like, okay, this is what a campaign looks like. And, um, kind of tucked it away for a rainy day, I guess. Right. And, and then the man who is our, who was our current state representative, he, he had been in that position for 20 years and, back in November, redistricting happened in Texas. So like the lines were redrawn and right. a new congressional seat was created in our area um, for us Congress. So he decided to run for a congressional seat. So because he was running, his position became an open seat I and the see. people, yeah, the people in my network who knew I was kicking this up around were like, if you're going to run this is a primo opportunity. Open seats are so much easier than running against an incumbent, especially oh. if it had been him because he'd been there 20 years. And right. like I, I now I know, understand it more that I've run. Yeah. So I was like, I don't know if I should do this. This is at the time, um, I have a four year old son, and my son Connor wasn't even one yet. And oh my I was goodness. Like, uh, like, this sounds daunting. But then <laughs> what happened was there was a guy in my neighborhood who told me he was going to run for this seat. He was like, I know I've heard other people say you might do this too. Are you going to do it? And I was like, I still, I was like, I don't think so, but I might, let me think on it. Let me go home and think on it. So I went home and I made a list of all the people I would put him in touch with, how I would help him on his campaign. And I swear 90% of the list was, was women, women's names. It was women. I knew through junior league women. I knew through the district volunteering with the school district women. I knew through Annie's list. And I was like, I couldn't in good faith, give him this list because if I was that woman on the other end, I would be like, but why aren't you doing this? Like, I know you're interested in this. Why are you supporting someone else. So I had this like little dialogue, I guess, in my head. And I was like, uh, oh, I, I think I have to run. I think I have to do this because I, I can't just not be involved. So that sort of pushed me to decide, okay, I'm going to put my name on the ballot. This was in November and I was running essentially in the democratic primary race, which was in March. So I knew it was going to be a shorter window, about four or five months. Some people campaign for a year plus, which uh, I don't know I if would, I would have done that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I would think, you know, I, that's what's so interesting. I would think it would take a long time.
1: Yeah. Well, our district's very blue. So if you win the Democratic primary nomination, you are all basically guaranteed to be the next state representative. So even though the election's really in November, if you were the nominee you're more or less a shoe in. So I was like, if I can win, well, the real goal was to get into a runoff because I knew a lot of people were stepping up and wanting to run my neighbor and then, uh, six other people. So seven total, including myself. And I was like, if I can just get into a runoff because in Texas, you have to win 50% of the vote for it, not to go to a runoff. And we were like, surely with this amount of people, uh, it's,
0: it's, 50%.
1: exactly, exactly. So that was the goal, get into the runoff and then just take it from there. So, um, so yeah, I was like, let's do it. <laughs> and so what was that like? And you, where did you go learn to do this?
0: Did, where did you look? I mean, if for people who are thinking of running, is there like, you know, go out on the internet and, you know, learn how to run for office or did you work with a group or how did you, yeah. It,
1: um, Annie's list really helped prepare me for what I needed to do, and they emphasize over and over that a candidate's job is to raise money and meet voters. Very simple, right? Just those two things. Well, in my instance, it was a short race. There's not a lot of campaign staff for these local races in Texas. So even though I would have liked to have had some sort of staff doing all the other things No one was really available and I was on a micro budget, to be honest. So I raised the money and met the voters and built my website and my email list and all the other things you have to do for a campaign. And I had an idea of what those things were from the training I took in Annie's List. And then I also ended up doing a training through the Texas Association of Realtors. It was very similar to Annie's List, but just for any person wanting to run but they covered a lot of the same things so i was like okay there must be something here these people know what they're talking about um and then i was i did have um some check-in calls with emily's list and they and i feel like there was another group that i had calls with but a lot of those calls were like how's fundraising going like everyone just cares about what kind of money you're bringing in it feels like wow Incredible. Yeah, where's your? That's yeah, I was like, it's like oh, I'm trying. You know, I, I, I am going through my phone and calling my network. And, Is that what you were doing? Just
0: literally going yeah. through your phone, and were you knocking on doors? Did you have any friends to go for you? Did you? Did you have a budget, or you didn't have a budget?
1: I, I had a budget. My goal was to raise thirty thousand dollars. And I had about three months to do that. So I was like, okay, I just have to raise $10,000 each month. And the first month I did do that, I was very excited. The other thing that matters is filing deadlines because you have to report what you've raised and it's publicly shared on the Texas Ethics Commission. So when you post those numbers, groups look at that and they say, ah, this person's viable or this person's not viable. So there's pressure to raise money for, to run your campaign, but also to get more money from other groups, it like unlocks money, money, begets money. So what I learned and, uh, I was able to raise that in the beginning of the campaign. I was like, I need to raise money. And then towards the end, I'm just going to focus on knocking on doors. So I'm doing really great in December. And then in January, my family got COVID and (laughs) I was still trying to push and go, but it was hard. I mean, it hit me probably the hardest out of all of us. So Uh, poor thing. Yeah. So I raised five thousand (laughs) dollars. And then at that point I was like, I just need to knock on doors. And my focus was just going out. Yeah, every afternoon and trying to hit as much of, of my area as I could. And I did have friends who who came and helped me, which made it so much better and easier. Uh my my volunteers. Um, but it was a lot. And now I can see why people run again because you have all this all these things in place. I mean, I was building everything from the ground up. They say, when you, when you're running for office, you're starting a business. And I'm like, yes, you are. You're branding yourself. You are raising the money. You're you're getting your message out. So if you've already done that, it's gotta be so much easier when you do it again.
0: So if you're not in Texas, are there other groups like Annie's list? I looked it up. It looks like it's just in Texas.
1: Yeah, Emma, uh, Annie's List is focused in Texas. Um, there's other groups out there like Run for Something. They I was have, wondering about that. Okay. Yeah, they have a lot of tutorials on um, on how to get going if you're, if you're like a very grassroots candidate. There's a group called She Runs. They help you. Um, I'm not sure if other states have equivalent groups like Annie's List. Um, I'm sure that other realtor organizations would have training available like that if you know there are realtors interested in running. Um, but I, th- I mean,
0: why would the realtors have training for people who yeah. run for
1: office? Why? What's the connection there? I think. Oh man, I think for a lot of reasons. Like I said, you you know so much about your area because that's what your clients they 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 like it when you have that competency like beyond oh, so just you, the market. Oh, I yeah. See. Okay. And, and the other thing is, let's say you actually do get elected into these office offices the, the hours can be erratic like if you're a state representative in Texas you're it, it's it's uh, every other year, and you're there from January to May. Sometimes there are special sessions where you're called back in, but anyway, you have to have a very flexible schedule, which realtors tend to have. You can kind of manipulate your schedule if you need to, but you can't have, you can't be a teacher. You can't have a normal nine to five just because of the way these positions are set up. And the other thing is they don't pay a real wage. I think state reps make, uh, um, like forget it's like $7,200 a year, like nothing, like (laughs) nothing. As a matter of fact, I was talking to represent a representative. I worked on her campaign. She said, I'm actually paying the state because I get my insurance through them. She's a realtor and my daughter's on my insurance and I have to write a check. Oh my God.
0: How to crazy. be a state representative.
1: Yeah. Oh my Lord. Okay. So you, it, it it attracts a certain kind of people just because of, uh, right. The well, limitations,
0: hurts. right. Mm-hmm. All the different limitations.
1: So what
0: did you enjoy about running were you and are you going to do it again I mean was this just a one-off and you'll never do it again or what did you learn that you think was helpful to you and what are you doing now
1: um I think the thing that I really loved about it was well okay I'll, I'll say I love and I didn't love so we had to do a lot of endorsement meetings where we would talk to these groups like labor groups and we would try to get their endorsement or education groups and try to get their endorsement or, um, like, um, abortion groups. And the thing I, I didn't like the endorsement process because no one endorsed me and that's kind of demoralizing. However, before they actually decided who they were going to go with, um, I had the opportunity to speak to legislative directors and just learn about their mission and their members priorities and I just love that part of understanding more of why things are the way they are and just the the insight I gained from that um like I remember talking to a woman who works with a vow they are um like a pro-choice group and she just said it's important that we use inclusive language and talk about pregnant people instead of just pregnant women. And we say the word abortion and we're not scared of it. And like, these are the things we need to do. And I was like, oh, I never knew this. And because I was a candidate, I felt permission to have these conversations and they likewise wanted to speak with me. Should I be the next representative? So that learning experience was amazing. Um, I really loved it. I don't know. If I it had to be a little while until I really seriously thought about running again. Um, and the best analogy I can think of is like I feel like I had a baby. Like it was exhausting. Uh, I learned a lot, but I need I need to like forget the pain a little bit and then maybe <laughs> I would come back.
0: <laughs> I have heard that analogy actually. I have heard that people who run for office say they'll never do it again. But then it's like you go out and have the second child two years later because you forget about it. But that yeah. I have heard that definitely mm-hmm. mentioned.
1: Yes. And, and like when I had my second child, it was a whole lot easier. You know, my body was like, oh, this isn't so bad. After Like the, my first son, it was a nightmare. I had a C-section. I remember after and when I was post-recovery, just shivering and being like, what's wrong with my body? I was in shock. And then the second one, my body was like, ah. Whatever that was easy. Let's let's just hang out, and watch TV. Like so much better.
0: So, what are you doing now? And are you staying involved, or what do you what do you do now?
1: Yeah, I'm staying involved. I, I'm I'm work- So after running, I kind of reassessed, and I was like, okay, wow, what was that? What did I like? What did I not like? What worked well with my skill set? And I really enjoyed, probably not surprisingly, the communication side of it being able to speak to groups, the writing component. I kept a blog on my website um, and my newsletters. I enjoyed doing that. And something that showed me I was doing the right things was that whenever I had my email newsletters, it was about me and my mission and things I cared about. I, I tried to never really talk about my opponents because they were all great people. I didn't want to bash them. I was like, I'm just a different option. So if you identify with me better, vote for me. So I was very positive and there was a man on my email list who messaged me after the race. And I said, I didn't win, you know, but I still feel like a victor because I got to represent my community and I learned all these things. And he was like, your, your emails were always so positive and you just had such a great message. And that's why I donated and, you know, just thank you for being that way. And I was like, oh, I never expected this message, you know, from out of the blue, So what I'm working on now is I'm going to be creating a podcast where I interview other candidates who have run for office, those who have won and those who have lost. And I want to know about their journey, what made them run. And I'm hoping that through this podcast, it will connect with people who maybe have this curiosity about public office and they can understand a little bit more of the mechanics and what the emotional journey is like, because I don't think that is touched on at all, really. And ultimately put, steer them towards um, a community, a website where we can, I'm, it's still a little under construction, but maybe offer some training videos, but also just a, a support system. Because I was lucky, I knew women who had run and they were kind and said, if you need to talk to me, it's, it's a lonely experience, you can call, you can vent. And I did, and that helped, but I still felt like, oh, am I bothering them? You know, these, these are busy women, but if there was a place where this is where you you have permission to do this, I would have, that would have been so helpful for me. Just like a weekly check-in and I can say, oh man, that I had a really hard experience. I reached out to a friend of mine who I thought was going to support me. And they're dodging my calls. Like, what do you do? and I think the response is you get tough skin. I'm like, okay, but it still hurts. Like, I can't deny my feelings. You know, I, I would like to talk to other people about that and just kind yeah. of commiserate and then let it out and move on. <laughs> yeah. It's like Covey for
0: politicos. I think a little bit. I yeah. Mean, that's what we, that's what we do for each other is we support each other and we validate and, you know, everybody going through these transitions. It's very hard when you think it's only you and it's the isolation mm-hmm. that makes it much more difficult and hard to get through.
1: hmm Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I remember um, I had I had a, um drinks with a woman who was running for a judgeship, and she told and, and she knew what she was doing. Like she knew from a young age she wanted to be a judge. And she told me, just be prepared when you run that you're going to really find out who your friends are, who believes in you, who, who you thought was there, but it was really a fair weather friend. And I'm glad she told me that because I at least had that, um, heads up, but I'm just lucky we had that conversation. I never had heard that in a training or from anyone else. So if we can prepare people who are thinking of this with little tidbits like that, Oh, I think that would go so far. And ultimately, I just want more more people to run because we just need to change the body of who is making these rules because they have such big impacts on our lives.
0: Oh, yeah. I think we've Uh, all woken up to that. And the local is really important, which mm -hmm. I think we've ignored at our peril um, and thinking that all that mattered was the national stuff.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: But that's a little bit. I mean, I I totally understand what you're talking about. As soon as you become an editor in chief of a magazine, everybody loves you. And then if something happens and you're let go or whatever, that's when you find out who really is your friend.
1: And let Mm -hmm. me tell you,
0: a lot of the most kiss ass people disappear really fast. It's very disheartening when you've done a lot for them. It's really disheartening.
1: Absolutely, yeah. It's it's like a blessing and a curse because it's like, okay, we have thinned the herd, but it's like, really? This is no. I'm surprised. I know you're the one who I listened to
0: all this crap you were talking about your mother, and I sent you uh, yeah. therapy and you're not even going to pick up the phone and say you're sorry this happened to me. No, yeah. there it mm-hmm. happens, and this is how people are. It's really yep. a shame, and in politics. I'm sure it's 20,000 times worse. I can't even imagine. And of course it hurts, you know,
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all those things.
0: So as we're pulling into the end here, Claire, what um, would you suggest for people or women who are thinking about running for something local? Because we know right now we need to run for more things that are local. We need to have our voices heard and we need to stand up for women's reproductive rights.
1: Mm -hmm. So
0: what give us three of your best insider tips to a sophisticated audience. What would you tell me like you didn't know and you should have done? What are the biggest tips?
1: Um, The first one that comes to mind is to just follow your curiosity. So if you want to know more about the school board, just go to a school board meeting. A lot of these meetings, the meetings are open to the public. So go see what they're discussing. See if you're interested in that. Because if you're at that, if you're that elected official, these are the meetings you will be essentially running. So I think that's the first thing and and, and to go um, to party meetings. So that's that's something I started doing too. I would follow the Travis County Democratic Party and they had meetups where you could just go and learn about the issues or different candidates. And I would, I would go by myself and I would just talk to people. And that helped me a lot to push me out of my comfort zone, but I just learn you just naturally learn more because that's what these people are talking about. And you can understand if this is the, I think it shows you which, which area makes most sense for you, especially when you're deciding what office to run for. Um, the second one, I would say work on a campaign and, or just befriend candidates, um, I learned a lot by observing others and I did work with a candidate before I decided to run. I helped her with some of her fundraising. Um and it helped me just to be in the office with her and hear her pick up the phone and call people and invite them to her events or ask for donations and it's like, oh, this is how you do it and um it made it feel a whole lot less scary, which was great. Um and I'm trying to think of a third one. I mean, if you can find any training events, Learn train. Training helps a lot just to to give you an idea of what you could be getting into. Um and if you just if you do all these things and you're like, oh, this is still too much for me, support candidates or maybe even encourage someone else in your life who you think would be great and just tell them, have you thought about this? Because I remember in Annie's list hearing this statistic um, that women have to be asked seven times to run for office before they'll take it seriously. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, it, it, you do find that women don't self-nominate as much as men do. And, and they, they run because they care about their community, not because this is a stepping stone to something else. So encourage your friends and encourage one another. If you see that leadership, uh, that leadership spark in them. Um, I, I was really lucky and I didn't win my race, but, um, like I said, I do a lot with the district and the district recently created a education foundation where we're going to fundraise for our school district. And the school, one of the school board members said, Claire, now that the race is over, would you be on our board? And she's like, I have another ask, would you be the president? Oh. And I was like, oh, I was like, uh, I was like, yes, I would. That would be great. Cause oh, I really, perfect." I, I okay. care about public education, but the fact that they saw what I was doing and they said, we, you, we think you can do this. Okay. Like, thank you. I think I
0: can do this too. <laughs>
1: awesome.
0: That's fantastic. Well, Claire, thank you so much. That was wonderful information. And we really haven't talked about running for office. And I do think um, all of us who are listening definitely need to consider what we can do to contribute more because our country is in trouble. And mm-hmm. women are going to be one of the, one of the answers, not all of them, but part of it. Let's get out yeah. there and get active, speak up, make your voice heard, do stuff. Don't just sit mm-hmm. around and complain, do stuff. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and don't be scared to start small. I mean,
0: right. And small right now is really important. Um, mm-hmm. you don't have, you can stay small. You don't have to make it as small as a step towards something bigger. You can just do your local school board you can do mm-hmm. your you're being a pollster you can you know all these things are needed and we just have not done that so
1: and wonderful. i would also say uh, consider giving to local candidates i know that we get fun- i know i get fundraising emails from the big candidates and they have access to deep pockets but people who are running on a local level it's a different ball game so if you know them and you can and you believe in them consider giving them your money instead Ah, of, Very interesting.
0: Okay, I like that. That's great. That's Mm -hmm. great information. Claire,
1: thank you so much for your time. Absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate it. This is a lot of fun.
0: So thank you so much for listening to this conversation with Claire Campos O'Neill. And you can find her, you can locate her through the show notes. All the links are there. And I hope that if you are interested in reinvention, you will wander over to CoveyClub.com. Check us out. We have all original content done by the best writers and reporters around the world. And there are essays. There are guides. There are downloads. Any direction that you're interested in, in terms of reinvention, we know how to do it. And I hope you'll also consider joining Covey Club. Covey Club is the actual interactive part of what we do, where we bring women together, we teach twice a week. And we also do all kinds of masterminds and we do coaching. And then we are going to have a big, huge get together in New Orleans in uh, November 10th through 13th, where everybody will come together and meet. And that is a big whoop-de-doo hullabaloo. You will meet people, you will be coached, You will eat, you will dance, you will sing, you will laugh, you will cry. It's quite a thing. And I hope you will come join us uh, and make sure you're on our our newsletter list and you will uh, see as we bring up the events that we're gonna be having. And we're gonna try to get everybody all signed up very early so that we have uh, hotel rooms booked. So anyway, hope that you enjoyed this conversation, please. Stay uh, subscribed to us and also give us a good review if you like it. And until next time, I'll see you.